Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this precious day that you've given us. Such a beautiful day. And this place that you've given us to come and to worship it together, your children, to come and to, to feed on the pure manna from heaven, the word of God. Help it to take root and bear fruit in our lives, Lord God. Open up the hearts and minds of all those here and all those who will hear this message all over the world at any time. It's for you too. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Usually gets that kind of response. (laughs) None of y'all have ever prayed anything like that, right? I sure have. I I think of my mama. She used to... My mom was... You know, you can know a lot of truth and not walk in it. (laughs) Struggle. Uh, my great-grandfather was a pastor, and my mama adored him, and I know she spent a lot of time in church. And she used to tell the stories how he'd stop in the middle of his sermon sometime and say, Dolores, when you're done, we'll continue. <laughs> she just loved to talk, and she sometimes... Tavon and I were talking about her yesterday. She was telling me about something, and <clears throat> somebody that I don't really know. And so to, to kind of get my mind around it, she said, it's like your mama. And I said, oh my God, it's like, and mama would sometimes, she'd get to talking and just insert foot, you know, and she just, she, and she would realize it and could not stop. It's like she'd fallen down the stairs and just, just turn red and just the more she, the, day she, the deeper she would dig, you know. Oh, God bless you, mama. I love you. But she used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all, you know. And that's a good, that's a good thing. The Lord says, if you don't have anything of faith to say, don't say anything at all. Our words are so important. More important than you'll ever know. Now, just saying something and not meaning it from the heart, it's not... It's not where you want to be. We know God, you know, one person can say something, the other person say the same thing. God sees them totally different. Because one of them was saying it from love, motivated, and the other one had a different motivation. God looks at the heart, right? But there's some of the old timers used to say, fake it till you make it. And that's not the best, because we want to be living a life of love and faith. But it's better than saying a bunch of stuff that you shouldn't. So if you just learn to put a guard over your mouth, ask God, pray that prayer. Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because it's a big thing. God created everything that we see, everything we know of, including you and me and this world and the heavens with his words. And then he created you in his image. You are a creative being as well. And God would love for you to be full of this word, which is Jesus. Jesus was the word made flesh. Amen. Amen. 
and to do some more creating, some godly creating, building, building your life on a foundation of stone, on Christ instead of on the sand. Because if he can get you to, see the devil has no authority anymore. He's in control of this world for a time. Him and his fallen, I don't call them angels anymore, those demons. But once you enter into salvation, there's nothing more compelling you to agree with the the enemy. He can't use you like he wants to. He's not pulling the strings anymore. He'll try. And you still have the ability to sin with the best of them, believe me. But there's nothing compelling you to if you've really been born again. And that's good news. That's good news. Why? Because how many times you hear people say, well, that's just how I am. That's who I am. You go to meetings. You make you stand up and say, I'm a this, I'm a that. B.S. Not what God says. God has a one-step program. And I'm not against anything that helps people, believe me. Until they can get to the one-step program I'm talking about. If they've got a five-step or a ten-step or a twelve-step, hey, good for you. Somebody trying to do something good. Amen. Not against anyone. Get that clear. But there is a better way. And once you are under grace, sin has no control over your life. So, you have a choice to make. Amen? But our words are a big thing. Galatians 5.15 says, If you bite and devour one another, and he's not talking about cannibalism, talking about backbiting, talking about people. Let's just get it out there, right? If you talk about each other and talk ugly to each other, if you bite and devour one another, watch out. That you're not consumed by each other. I've seen families and businesses, relationships destroyed by people's words. Not to mention churches. Lots and lots of churches. How do you think all, all the denominations got started? God is one. Not against any denomination. We all come from something. Amen. But Jesus is coming for a bride, not a harem. All of the divisions of man. Nevertheless. Psalm 78, 41. Let me just tell you a couple more scriptures about this while I'm building on something. My grandma and grandpa and my mom used to say, look in Proverbs chapter 17. Or it's Proverbs 17. Let's see here, I think. Proverbs 17, yeah. Look down at the last two verses, 17, verse 27 and 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. He who closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. My mama used to say that too, except she didn't go exactly by that. She would say, even a fool looks smart if he keeps his mouth shut. (laughs) 
Yeah. Look at Ecclesiastes. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a book. It's just full of them. But Ecclesiastes um, 3, 7. Did anybody bring their Bibles to this? Or y'all use devices? Or y'all just look them all up later? <laughs> Ecclesiastes 3. I'm not picking on anybody. Believe me. I like people to carry a Bible and to have a pen in their hand because I want you to know that what I say is in your Bible too. And I want you to go to it when you need it and circle it and say, oh man, you know, I have a bunch, I have all kinds of scriptures and passages in other Bibles that are way more torn up than this one. <laughs> that I have preacher's names written and the date where it was like a prophetic word to me and stuff like that. It makes it kind of cool. Anyway, if you're good enough with, with IT stuff, I'm not. With, uh, I'm not you, you can you can do all that on your on your phone and highlight and underline and all that. Pull it up at a whim, you know. But uh, Ecclesiastes three, verse seven says, "There is a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace." So there is a time to keep silent. Like we're talking about now. And there's also a time to speak. You see. What I've. Run across too often. With Christians. Christianity in general. Especially in this country. Is that. We, we get it all mixed up. And backwards. We like to run our mouths about everything. Except when it comes to standing up for God. And then we decide it's not politically correct or appropriate and we just shut our mouth and let things happen that should not happen in a country founded around God and His principles. Amen. Amen. Christians need to speak up when it comes to standing up for God. So I want to make that clear. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1 and 2. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. When we remember we had a message about being meek, not weak, but meek. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. Exclamation point. Someone's written a letter to him talking talking some stuff. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some of you. And, and when I get there, I got plans for some of you who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when you're... This when your obedience is complete. What he was saying is he, you know, y'all, y'all must have got me mixed up. When I'm there, I, I know I'm there, very calm and gentle and nice. Uh, and if that uh, if that makes you think I'm weak, you got another thing coming. I'm trying to show you how to walk according to the spirit and not after the flesh. 
And everyone's called to make their gentleness known to all men. That's a good thing. Being humble is an excellent thing. But he says, if, if, if you think, though, that that makes me weak in God, and when I get there, I'll throw my rod down and you throw yours down and we'll see which one gobbles which one up. Amen. Because <laughs> he knew he, who he was in God. Amen. And they were getting the spirit and the flesh mixed up. And they were still walking after the flesh. And he says, when it comes to taking up for God and the things of God, I will be quite bold when I need to. But otherwise, you're always going to see me as gentle and kind, meek, have a teachable spirit. That meekness we talked about before. James 1, way back in the back, the brother of Jesus, the head of the church in Jerusalem, he was martyred with all the rest of the disciples except for John. Not at the same time, but... James 1, 1 uh, verse 19, he kind of sums it up. I love James. It's a short little letter and it's, it's power-packed. Only one shorter and more power-packed is his other brother, Jude, who has a one-pager in there that'll hit you right between the eyes. Amen? But James said in, in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Know this, my beloved brother... Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That's a good thing right there. You know? And Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, Always have an answer ready when they ask you about the Lord. When I think of that passage in 1 Peter, I always... I'm trying to save time without going there. But it's 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. But I think of some years back... Oprah Winfrey was on her show selling her nonsensical line of universalism and uh, how we all go to heaven and everybody's okay and there's no real hell and all this. And a woman stood up who you could tell was not used to doing that sort of thing. She was probably a very timid and quiet person, but she stood up with, with some real boldness and she said, why do you think that's right? Just because you say so. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Do you remember that? I didn't see her out. No. It's, it shut them up for a second. And she, you know, it, it, uh, it got some applause and, and Oprah didn't quite know what to say. She claims to be a Christian, but she's not. You know, it's one of those, those deals. She said she was at a, she was uh, listening to a sermon with her grandmother or somebody when she was a girl. And he preached the, the, the scripture that says God is a jealous God. And she says, why would God, if, if he's God, why would he be jealous of me? And uh, anyway, she got some wrong doctrine in her mind. And so anyway, nevertheless, we pray for her because when people like that change, look at O Kanye, they can make a huge difference. So I pray, I pray for people like that that have a huge influence and God loves them and he wants them to change and use that influence for the good. Amen. Amen. But, you know, as we mature in Christ, we will begin to learn to keep our mouths shut at the appropriate times. More and more, we'll learn to do that. We'll learn, listen, I'm going to choose my battles wisely. I'm, I'm, you know, and I mean, the the first thing that makes me look up and know that God is fixing to get me is when Tavana, uh, when when we're kind of in disagreement about something, and instead of 
instead of shooting back at me like she used to would have all the time, <laughs> she just goes quiet on me and goes, okay. Oh, that scares the heck out of me because I know she done told on me and I start getting conviction. And if, see, if you have a godly person in your life, you can always count on that. You know what I mean? That's why I tell you, when you have problems, don't call that friend that's going to just agree with you. Oh, that SOB, you don't have to put up with that. That's not a real friend. The real friend is, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Let's pray, you know. What's God say about it? Let's pray for them, too. You know, let's get you back on the right track. But the, the Hebrews, I want to I try to get to the point. <laughs> Something from the word here. The Hebrews, when Moses went and got them, Moses had a problem with the flesh too. He tried it at 40. That was the flesh, the first third of his life. And he tried it his way. He killed that Egyptian soldier and, and then he had to run for his life. And then for 40 years, we're three-part beings, right? For the next 40 years, he spent in the desert. God getting Moses out of Moses. He's dealing with the soulish realm, the mind and will and emotions, personality. And then in the third term, third 40 of his life is when he served God. And, and when God went to him this time in the burning bush, you know, Moses had thought it was all about him and he was ready to, he was all fired up when he was 40. And then at, at 80, he said, no, no thanks, God. <laughs> I can't even talk, man. Just get somebody else. <laughs> God said, okay, now you're ready. But those Hebrews, they grumbled and complained. Oh, my goodness. About everything. From almost the get-go. Even though they were let loose after they saw all the great miracles, the ten plagues and all that stuff. The parting of the Red Sea. They left there. I mean... They were slaves one day, and then the people that owned them came and gave them all the gold and stuff and jewelry they had. Here, here, go. They left rich, parted the Red Sea, and they started complaining. Got no water. Anyway, they did this for a long time. And Psalm 78, 41 says that they, they continually... And, and this is only the King James has this right. So this is one of those scriptures I told you about. Um, but anyway, it says time and again, they turned back. They, they tempted the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. This is the only place in Scripture that says God was limited by people. And by their grumbling and complaining, you see. And I always talk, I don't care about religion. Religion doesn't save anyone. But relationship does. With God and any relationship that I've ever known of, it always requires two parties. Amen. And I think that scripture right there more than any other showing that we can limit God with our with our unbelief, our bad attitudes, our murmuring and complaining. It should speak to us. Amen. Amen. Because he wants great things for us and uh, we don't always get everything he wants for us because we're not, uh, we sabotage his efforts in our lives, amen, mm-hmm. with our own words. And you remember the story of Jericho when God's, uh, well, 
looking up. Where is that? Uh, it's going to be in Joshua chapter 5. <laughs> Maybe the sixth uh, book of the Bible. Joshua chapter 5. I'm just going to show you this quickly. We'll just, we'll just go as long as we can. Amen. And, uh, we never finish anyway. We just stop and start again. <laughs> Joshua chapter 5. Let's go down to the, 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 the 13th verse. And I'm just going to read a little bit, okay? When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Remember, they had been whooping all these other nations that came out. All the ites. All these nations that ended in ites, you know, and uh, as they came to him. And their word had got out. And so now they're fixing to take Jericho. It's a city fortified with great walls. Rahab lived on one of those, on the wall. She was a harlot that ended up helping them. She ended up becoming the great, great grandmother of King David. So she was in the family lineage of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, God don't care where you've been. He cares where you're going. Amen? All right. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes. Behold, a man standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are for our adversaries? Are we going to throw down or what? <laughs> it would have been a bad mistake, as it turns out. And he said, No, nope, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. <laughs> now I have come... And Joshua fell down on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Listen, remember how I told you that they, they didn't have a relationship like you do now. You can run boldly into the throne room of grace to find mercy and find favor in the time of need. Right into God's office. With your shoes on. Amen. Amen. Because of Jesus. Yeah. Right into the place where only one priest once a year used to get to go. If he was holy enough, they tied a rope around his ankle in case he had sin in his life because he would drop dead and they couldn't go in to get him or they'd die too, so they had to pull him out. That's a place where you can live. Anytime you want, because you're his child and he loves you. Amen. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. They were hiding in there, locked down. Now none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. We'll march one time around for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone 
straight before him. So, look down to verse uh, 10. And so, they started to make the plan. He said, but Joshua commanded the people. He was telling them what, what happened and what they're supposed to do. You shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. They weren't allowed to talk for a week until this one shout. Look at verse 15. On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she helped the spies that went in there and hid them. Go down to verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Hallelujah. Now, if that doesn't tell you anything, it ought to tell you that God did not trust these people to speak words of faith. (laughs) And it made a difference. So he made them shut up. You can't talk. These people didn't have the spirit of God living in them. They still had the sin nature within them. Amen? Amen. And they had entered in uh, at Mount Sinai. They got really silly. And when, and when God wrote down His perfect law, just ten, they said, everything He said, we'll do it. They should have fell down on their face right then and begged God, we can't do this without you. Instead of saying, oh, we'll do that. He said, okay. So for 1,500 years, they got to try. (laughs) Before that, there was nothing counted against them. Well, there's no law, there's no offense, you see. That law was never meant for you. But if you walk in love, you'll... You'll go way beyond all those. That's the only law you have. Amen. Amen. But it was important that they keep their mouths shut. I wanted to point that out. Because as Christmas is coming, we think of the coming baby Jesus. Amen. Amen. I do. Well, I think all about it. I try to put myself in the place of all the characters. Man, it's just wonderful. This book is greater than any novel you could ever read. My wife and I went and saw a whodunit movie the other night. Really cool, called Knives Out. Really good. Really good. You know, I don't know if I should be recommending stuff like that. (laughs) Don't bother me. You know, it was it was a great. It was a mystery. It was cool. We like stuff like that. It wasn't filthy, so unusual. 
We saw Mr. Rogers deal last week. It was good too. Yeah. Amen. But let's look in on... You know who Zachariah and Elizabeth are? How about John the Baptist? Those are his parents. And in, let's look in Luke, the first chapter. The good doctor. The great physician is Jesus, but the good doctor is Luke. He was the... He was a disciple, but he was also a, a medical doctor. Amen? The, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Right in the beginning, after he made the introduction, he got right to the point about John the Baptist coming. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Does this mean they never committed a sin? Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It just means there was provisions. Even under the law, there was provisions for when you sinned. You know, you went and killed something, basically, put the blood in there, <laughs> and went and bought an offering, and you took it in there, and the, and the, and then the, the priest, he would, you would, you would, you would touch the lamb or whatever, and the priest would put his land, hands on that lamb, and look at that lamb, and, and your sin was converted to that lamb, you see. He didn't look at the sinner, he looked at the sacrifice. Whew, we're talking about that, that one perfect sacrifice now that is on his way, almost. Where was I? Um, so they walked perfectly before God, basically, blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So they were old and she was apparently not going to have children. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Incense or type and shadow of your prayers going up before God. Make sure they smell good. Amen. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And, and fear fell upon him. See, he knew that an angel had killed 180,000 people in one night. <laughs> but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And, the, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts and fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This is Jesus' cousin, born three months before him, or six months, 
and his whole life was to announce the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said there was no greater man born besides himself, and of course, besides him. And that, but here's, here's, here's where we get into a little trouble. And Zechariah said to the Lord, how shall I know this? And he just told him, didn't he? Right. For I am an old man. My wife's advanced in years. Watch this. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. This is the baddest angel, <laughs> you know, besides Michael. You know, these, these archangels ain't nothing to fool around with. When they tell you something, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent. And unable to speak until the day that these things take place. <laughs> which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had just seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I want to skip down to save time. Go to verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. In between where I skipped from is when Mary comes to visit. We're going to talk about that later, okay? Not today. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. <laughs> he didn't realize, I'm, I'm not uh, messing around questioning anything the Lord tells me anymore, right? And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open. Look at that. I tell you, I'll tell people this for 12 years. I've been telling people, the moment you agree with God, things begin to change. Amen. 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 And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. <laughs> and and fear came out fear came on all their neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea and all who heard them laid in their hearts saying, "What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him." I want to read this because this is Zechariah's prophecy. And then we'll go down to verse the end of this chapter right here at 80. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people and, his, 
and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from the old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. God will never forget his agreement with us. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holding it, this is y'all, folks. Without, without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. He sees you as holy and righteous. You are kings and priests in the order of Melchizedek. That means forever, without beginning and without end, just along with Jesus. You're all co-heirs with Christ of everything that God has. One day you will judge angels. God loves you. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. He's speaking to John now. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's Jesus. And the child, John, grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Hallelujah. If you keep saying what you see, you're going to have what you say. Remember that. Believe God. Say what he says and have what he says. Amen. Amen. Abraham was mentioned in that prophecy there by Zechariah. And if, uh, yeah, I think we have just a minute. Third close here. Third close. First third close. (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Since we, we, we brought Abraham into this. Abraham someone who believed God. He lived inside out. Remember how we talked about the palm tree? How it, all like the beautiful oaks and all these other trees. You could cut the, the bark around them and into that first outer slayer of the flesh and they'll die if you ring it. They live in according to the flesh. But a palm tree, you can do whatever you want to it. And it just gets more beautiful. You rip all that stuff off of it. Because it's living from the inside out. The core, the roots go deep. Unusual tree in that regard. That's why it says we'll flourish like a palm tree in the desert. Abraham, Romans chapter 4. And let's see here. Let's look around the 16th verse. That is why it depends on faith. Oh, let me back up to the 13th verse. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that we would be heir of the world, that he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Nobody's going to get there by being good, you see. So all your friends out there that think they've been bad for too long, and they're just going to have to lie in the bed they made for themselves, tell them the good news. It has nothing to do with their behavior. Amen. Amen. 
For if it is the adherents of the law that are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression. That's why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. And he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. See, when God told him he was going to have a child of promise, he didn't, he didn't weaken in the faith when he considered his own body, that he was old, you see, which was a good, as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver. Concerning the promise of God. This is where Zechariah got in trouble, you see. Not Abraham, thank God. Because he's the father of us all, according to, to faith and not to the law. Strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Just believe. Believe and receive or doubt and do without but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Hallelujah. Verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Jesus. We receive from God inside out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We want to get our hearts right. We want to learn to live according to the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit just means walking in agreement with the Word of God. Agree with Jesus, His teachings, His life. Let it correct you. God doesn't use sickness or divorce or any of that other nonsense to teach you. He uses His Word if you'll let Him. Otherwise, you have a free will. and He'll, he'll protect your right to go to hell if you want but it won't be his choice, it'll be yours. But meanwhile, especially this Christmas season, let's put a guard over our mouths and make sure we speak blessings and not cursing. Amen? Yes. We want to be a blessing. We want to shine our light. We want to help. That's the acronym for this Grace and Truth Church. Heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Yes. God bless you all. I have more, obviously, but I always do. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for this precious day, this word. Thank you for allowing this seed of the word to take root and bear fruit in our lives. 
I ask you to watch over every one of these here today, Lord, to bless them, that your favor will surround them as a shield. We call everyone here healed and whole, blessed and prosperous in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.